We are, we're almost done with the book of James. Uh, we're gonna, we won't close the cover on it this week, but we will next. And what we're going to read today, we're definitely in James's conclusion. And in a way, what we're going to read today, in some ways, doesn't seem like it fits with the rest of the book. Because in the rest of the book, this, this book that's about growing in this faith, maturing in Christ, our sanctification process, really clearly James has been encouraging us not to see our life as a, a movie where I'm the main character, right? In, in, a, in the movie that is our lives, Jesus Christ is the main character. And we are supporting characters, and I don't know if you've watched many movies, but you know what happens to the supporting characters in the movies, right? Like, you can, how many times you watch a movie, and five minutes in, you're like, that guy's going to die in this movie. Like, I just know it. Uh, so James starts his book talking about suffering and how godly wisdom should encourage us to, to look at our suffering less about how do I get out of this suffering and more, what do I get out of this suffering? How, does, how do I grow even though I, I, I won't get what I want? And how to have a biblical Christ-focused worldview in this world that's full of pain and suffering. Does that, does that fit with what James has, has said if you've been here as we studied this? Well, then we read this. Let's read our passage, James chapter 5, verses 13 through 18, where James writes, Is anyone among you suffering? Then he must pray. Is anyone among you cheerful? Well, he is to sing praises. Is anyone among you sick? Then he must call for the elders of the church, and they are to pray over him anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will restore the one who is sick. And the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, they will be forgiven him. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the earth for three years and six months. Then Elijah prayed again, and the sky poured rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Okay. So if in the rest of the book, James has been teaching us how to handle, how to have godly wisdom through suffering that changes us so much that it, it starts to affect the way we talk, the way we respond to difficulties, right? This, this faith is not a faith where we learn to manipulate the spiritual world to get what we want. If that's the kind of stuff James has been teaching us, then why at the end does he suddenly start teaching us how to use our faith to get healed? 
Maybe because he's not teaching us how to use our faith to get our physical healing accomplished. What we just read gets taught sometimes as like a how-to manual to get physical ailments healed. I'm going to tell you that's not what this is. If that is what it is, then it will result in some, some, some questions that will cause a lot of discouragement and disillusionment. Because our next question becomes, if this tells us how to get our physical ailments healed, the next question is going to be, then why didn't it work? The answer that you'll be showed is, well, the prayer must be offered in faith. So the person who didn't get healed or the people trying to do the healing, the reason it didn't work is because they didn't have enough faith. It's their fault. But it seems to me like James would be making a mistake by teaching a book about how to go through suffering in a Christ-like manner, Christ-focused, and then at the end of the book say, and by the way, but if you're sick, here's how you use this faith to get what you want then. It's okay then to try to use this faith to get what you want if what you want is physical healing. That can't be what this is about. I think... Right before he closes the book, James is saying something more like this. Have you been with me since I started this book? Are you taking this Christianity thing seriously? Have you dove into the deep end of this faith pool? Are you growing? I know you haven't arrived I know you haven't read what I've been writing and said, yep, I've got all that down. But just because it's hard doesn't mean this is not what we should be about, what we should be pressing toward. So James says, are, are you ready to, to, get, are you, to, to keep growing and do this thing? Well, what's going to happen when it's you that's sick. You want to know when maybe the hardest time to do James, do Christianity the way James describes it, you want to know when that gets the hardest? When you're sick as a dog or when it's your spouse in that bed or when it's your child who may not get better. What's our faith, what's our Christianity going to be good for then? A guy named Oswald Chambers wrote about physical healing, about physical ailments and praying to be healed. He wrote this, faith for my deliverance is not faith in God. Faith means whether I am visibly delivered or not, I will stick to my belief that God is love. And there are some things only learned 
in a fiery furnace. Let's go through this passage and see what it is we're supposed to learn about maturing. It has to be about growing in our faith because that's what this book is about. See what we can learn about that from this passage. All right, in chapter 13, James writes, Is anyone among you suffering? Um, that, that word can be translated, is anyone in trouble? Is anyone afflicted? Well, that person should pray. Is anyone in good spirits? That person should sing praises. In some ways, that verse right there could be a summary of everything James has written so far. And it's definitely like the topic sentence for everything else he's going to say in our passage today. This is a good summary of the worldview of the growing Christian, the maturing Christian. Because, according to this verse, no matter what's going on in your life, you as a Christian should be God-focused. Whether it's good or bad. Anyone among you suffering, he should go toward God in prayer. Talk to God about what's going on, about how I feel. You know, sometimes that's when it's hard for some folks to be God-focused. When life is tough, when I don't understand why I have to live like this, and that guy gets to live like that. That can turn my heart into a heart that grumbles like James mentioned a few weeks ago. It's hard for me to go through, go toward God when he allows my life to be like this. James says, anyone among you suffering, go toward the one who's the ultimate solution. Don't let your pain keep you away from the one who is the solution to your pain, even if he doesn't solve it the way you'd like Now, others of us have the opposite problem. Because James says, is anyone among you in good spirits? Or is anyone of you, things going well right now? Well, that person should be God-focused also, should sing praises, should talk good about God, should give credit where credit is due. Some of us, when I'm hurting, I naturally go toward God because that's when I understand how badly I need Him. But when things are good, maybe that's when I tend to ignore God. Because I, I, I would never say this out loud, but I kind of want to feel like when things are going good, that's because of me. It's because of my talent, my hard work, my self-discipline, my ability to uh, navigate life's struggles. James says, no, things are good. Make sure you're going toward God too. Make sure you are God-focused Also, the Bible teaches this over and over and over. In all circumstances, pray in all circumstances, worship in all circumstances, praise God in all circumstances. In the book of Job, when Job is suffering, he says this cool little line where he says that God gives him songs in the night when life is the darkest like he's still plugged into God who gives me these songs 
of praises. Paul and Silas in prison after the beating, they're singing praises. As believers, we always have more to be grateful for and thankful for than we have to complain about. Always, 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 always. That's where James starts. Whatever else James is going to say today, it's got to fit with this. In all circumstances, God focused. Where I understand what I want should be what he wants, even when I don't understand why he wants what he wants. It's important to remember because now James is going to start talking about the sick person and healing. In verses 14 and 15, um, talks about calling elders and, and physical illness. Now, the first thing I want to say about these verses before I say anything else, if you are sick, if you are in pain, or when it happens to you, I want you to hear this. It is okay to want to be well. Okay? No matter what, don't hear me wrong today. It is not... Christian maturity doesn't mean that I have to pretend like I don't wish I felt like this. That's just silly. When, when, when the Lord promised that we would suffer, I mean, suffering implies it's really terrible. And you don't have to desire or be okay with feeling terrible. Got me there? If you call me and you ask me to pray, I'm going to pray for your healing physically. It's important to hear because sometimes you'll hear some well-meaning advice from well-meaning Christians that sounds like you shouldn't be so sad right now. You shouldn't, you shouldn't be all bent out of shape. Consider it all joy, James said. No. Being mature in the faith doesn't mean you have to pretend you don't wish the pain would stop. It does mean, like he said a few weeks ago, or a couple weeks ago for us, that I'm waiting on the right thing when the pain is going to stop. Which is the return of the Lord. So James says, if you're sick though, he says, you, you as an individual, you can summon the elders of the church to come and pray for you. If you are sick, one thing James, James wants you to do is stay connected to the local church. There's lots of things in life that can make you sick. Uh, you can be sick physically, emotionally, mentally, relationally. Stay connected to the local church. And you know what makes it really hard to get to church sometimes? When you're super duper sick, right? When, or when, you've, when, when, the, when it hurts too much to physically go and be there. So James says, listen, if, if any of you is super sick, if you can't get to church, you call the church and ask the church to get to you. Now, he said, James says, call the elders. That's, it's important to understand who you're calling. If you call the elders of this church, me, David, Dave, Jeff, we will come. Right? We've done this. 
We will come, we will pray over you, but understand who you'll be getting when we get there. It does not say call someone who is gifted in healing. It says call the recognized elders of the local church. And I have read the qualifications for elders. It appears in 1 Timothy. They appear in Titus. And none of the qualifications for elder is they should be gifted in healing. So when we show up, we will still just be us. Right? Jeff Bubach's not here to defend himself, but I can tell you he's not a faith healer. If he was, he would have never lost a calf in the history of his operation. But he has. Recognize we're supposed to be, and we fail at this too. We are supposed to be people who are mature, maturing Christians. And we will show up, and we will pray with you and over you for your healing. James says, they will come. Uh, the, the, the elders are supposed to pray over that sick person and anoint that sick person with oil in the name of the, of the Lord. Now, what's the oil for? Write this down. I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, the scholar, biblical scholarship is divided on this. I'll tell you, even though I can't tell you for sure what it's for, I've still done it. You know why? Because James told me to. Um, you can read one source that will tell you this. this. The oil that James is talking about is medicinal. Because in, a primitive, in this primitive medical environment, you know, uh, this would be James saying, hey, elders, go pray, but like take the doctor with you. Like take some medicine with you. So I, I would tell you, I'm going to pray for your healing, but keep your next appointment. Take the antibiotics. Okay? If this is more sort of spiritual in nature, then I think what this oil would be for is sort of a layer of insulation between me as the, as the elder and any healing that takes place. Because, listen, we're going to pray you call me, we show up with some elders, we're going to pray that God heals you. And you know what? He absolutely can. I believe that. I will trust that he will. And the oil might be, a, we're praying in the name of the Lord and, and anointing with oil as a way of saying, if God heals you, it'll be because God healed you. Not me as an elder. And there's, I'm going to separate myself from the healing. Through the oil, I'm going to pray in the name of the Lord just so everybody has the same idea. When God heals you, it wasn't me. And there's that layer of, of insulation in the oil. It's a, but it's a way of putting that person in God's hands symbolically, anointing them with my prayers on this oil. And in verse 15, James says, the prayer that's offered in faith, literally it says, will save the sick person. The prayer offered in faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. Now, is this a promise of physical healing? It's not. 
It can't be. It can't be logically, and it can't be biblically. We'll do biblically first. Here's how I know that, that if you uh, apply this formula the right way, you're not guaranteed physical healing because it just didn't work that way even in the New Testament for people who had at times miraculous healing powers. The Apostle Paul, God allowed Paul to heal folks. Like he had a miraculous gift for a limited time. But I think by the end of Paul's life, he already didn't have that ability anymore because the Bible. In Paul's second letter to his friend Timothy, Paul tells Timothy, our friend Trophimus, that guy was so sick at Miletus, I had to just leave him there. Well, why didn't Paul get the oil out and heal the guy? Because that's not the way this works. In his first letter to Timothy, Timothy, himself a young pastor who was appointing elders, who, who had in this letter the qualifications for selecting elders, Paul told Timothy, listen, I know that you're sick all the time. Why don't you get the elders together and get the oil out and heal that? Is that what he said? No, he said, why don't you do something medicinal and maybe that will help. Stop drinking the water there exclusively. Use some wine. Maybe that will help. He doesn't take Timothy to task for not believing hard enough and therefore being able to heal himself. Paul himself, 2 Corinthians 12, tells a story of he had some sort of ailment he called a thorn in his flesh. He could not heal. It's not because he didn't have enough faith to do so. It's because that's not what we're promised even a guy who healed lots of people by the gift that God gave him. So biblically, it doesn't work. But logically, this can't be the way it works either. Because let's say all healing down here is very temporary. I mean, at some point... If that's what we're promised here, I mean, at some, when does it quit working? You see what I'm saying? Because if you get sick, you call for the elders. We're going to come over. We're going to pray for you. We'll bring the oil if you want. We'll pray and we'll believe God is going to heal you. When he does, we're going to give him credit for doing that and we're going to celebrate it. But then my next question is, what then? Because something, there's some ailment that's going to get me down here. And there's some ailment that's going to get you. All healing down here is temporary. So what is James saying? Remember, first, he's already said, if you're sick, be God-focused. Go toward God. He's the ultimate healer. Stay connected to the, the recognized local church and its leadership. Surround yourself with mature individuals. Prayer helps. Prayer changes. Don't let your lack of healing be because you didn't ask. And that those prayers offered in faith will save 
that person and the Lord will raise them up. And if they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Here's what we can know on that day. When I come over and pray for you or listen, you might be the one coming over to pray for me. If you are someone who is covered by the blood of Jesus Christ, connected to his body, here's what you can know. If you're over praying for me and you don't know if I'm going to get up or not, here's what you can know. The Lord is either going to make me better or the Lord is going to make me better. The Lord is either going to raise you up from that bed or the Lord is going to raise you up from that bed. And that's our only options. And at some point, it's going to be the ultimate one. Right? If, if this was the handbook, why don't we have some 300-year-olds sitting here with us this morning? But we can know that we're going to be healed because our ultimate healing is coming. It is coming. And it's permanent. Why? Because if you're praying for me, man, if this guy Maxwell had sinned any sins, I'll let you in on a little secret. I have. But when he raises me up, you know what I'm going to find? They have all been forgiven. Do you know what you and I need healed from? Way worse than we need healed from whatever is ailing us down here. We need healed from our sin. And we need healed from the wrath of God that is aimed at sin. And if we've gotten that sort of healing, where everything else is gravy, and it's also incredibly temporary. Now the next word in our Bibles, well, the next word in the Greek is a little Greek word, un, that gets translated Therefore, some of our Bibles don't even translate it because it's hard to understand what it's doing here. Therefore is a connecting word. Okay? So if this is, if this is you, whereas you're the kind of person who understands when the pain starts, it, whether you're dealing with it now or it's coming for you, because it is, when you are sick, you know, hey, he's either going to make me better or he's going to make me better. He's either going to raise me up or he's going to raise me up. Therefore, because that's true, confess your sins to one another. Pray for each other that you may be healed. And the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Now, somehow these two things have to go together. And if this is a handbook for healing, I have another question for you. Well, how do you get healed? Is it with the elders and the oil? Or is it by confessing your sins to each other and pray the body, praying for the body? Which is it? In starting to explain this, I want you to notice first the number of people we're dealing about in each situation. I have a a modern translation on this slide that confuses this. But in, the, in verses 14 and 15, we're talking about one sick person. Is any one among you sick? 
And this should say in better English, let him call the elders of the church to come pray over him and anoint him. This one person sick. Now, if you are the kind of person who understands I'm either going to get better or I'm going to get better. How was your healing, your ultimate healing, guaranteed by God? What was it? That, what is it that gives you the confidence to know your sins are forgiven? Is it because you know you're going to stand before God someday and convince Him you really weren't that bad? Are you going to stand before God and convince Him that you are actually innocent? The bad things you did were really someone else's fault? I hope not. That is a, that, that is a surefire way. That's a one-way ticket to hell. If you're okay with God, if your sins are forgiven, it's because you confessed the sins you had to God. You confess to God, I am a sinner and I just need rescued from my unrighteousness. Is that what saved you? Okay. Now James has got us. Because here's, a, here's an important question. If that's how you took care of your sins with the God of the universe, why don't you take care of your sins with each other in the same way with them? There are many more things that can make us sick besides the flu bug and cancer and broken limbs, broken bones. James says, you want to be better? You want to be healthier? Confess your sins to each other. Read that again. Confess whose sins? You confess your sins to the person you offended. James says, that will make you healthier. This is about corporate health, corporate well-being. If we had the, uh, the new Brett Thomas translation of the Bible, this would be easier to see because the U's are all plural here. See, if this was the Brett Thomas translation, it would say, confess y'all's sins to each other. And pray for each other so that y'all might be healed. This is about corporate health and well-being. James, are you the kind of person who knows you're either going to get better or you're going to get better? How do you know? Because God took care of my sins. When did God take care of your sins? When I told him, I'm a sinner, I need rescued. And I threw myself down at the feet of the one who needs to forgive me. James says, all right, now go do that with each other. But that's not what we want to do. You want to have a healthier marriage? You want to have a healthier family? You want to have a healthier friend relationships? You want to have a healthier church, healthier community? Be the kind of person who searches for what they have done wrong and confesses that to the people they have wronged. Instead of, let's just, be honest for a second. How we normally tend to deal with our wrongs is just try to convince other people they're not there. 
or they're not our fault, or they're not as bad as that person's, or I couldn't help it because of what they did. James says, that'll make you sick and keep you sick. How does this faith of ours teach us sin is dealt with? Confession and repentance. And there's no other way. Confession and repentance. If it works in my relationship to God, I should, and this is the faith I am growing in, it should begin to bleed over into my other relationships. Do you think we would be healthier? Do you think we could physically, physically, emotionally, mentally, would we be healthier if we looked as hard for our own mistakes as we look for somebody else's? Would we be healthier if we were more likely to If we went too far on anything, it's too far telling my friends, my wife, my kids what I have done that was wrong and hurt them and asking for forgiveness. Would we be healthier if we made a bigger effort at that than we do convincing them they're wrong for thinking we're wrong? Do you think you would be healthier if you owned your mistakes and confessed them to the people you have wronged? Because James says you would be. Verse 16 ends with these famous words. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. It availeth much. It's very powerful. Again, if this is the handbook, find a righteous person to pray for you and you will get what you are want. We're in trouble already because I've looked around and we're fresh out of righteous people. Or are we? Are you righteous? Some way, yes. The other way, no. Based on your own behavior? No, you're not. If you are trust in Christ, then you bear the righteousness of Christ. But again, how did you get that righteousness? By being innocent? By being good enough to deserve it? No. So if I am someone who understands, wait a second, I am righteous. How did I get there? By confessing my sin and my need to be rescued. If that burrows its way into my soul and it starts to take over my heart, then I slowly can become more and more less the kind of person that has to contend for my innocence because that's not who I am. That's not why I'm righteous. I can become the kind of person that not only confesses my unrighteousness to him, but to you. And then maybe, just maybe, the prayers of a righteous person can change. You you think a prayer like this might be effective? I'll use Dennis. You sat too close today, brother. Let's say because whether things are good or things are bad, I'm God-focused, I'm going to Him in prayer. There's a, are any of you suffering? He should pray. So I'm suffering. Me and Dennis, we're in some sort of conflict. I take a deep breath. I go toward the Lord. He starts to work on my heart, and, he, and I search my heart, and I decide I need to go to Dennis and confess my part in this 
problem. And so I come to Dennis and I say, Dennis, when, when I told you yesterday whatever I said, I know that made you feel however it made you feel. I, I know I, I damaged you and that pains me and I was wrong. I want you to forgive me. And what if I prayed over Dennis like this? Oh God, I messed up. I made my friend Dennis feel low and humiliated by the thing I said. And I regret the damage I caused to him. And by damaging him, and he's yours, I damaged this church. I damaged our friend group. God, could you lift Dennis's? Will you take away the damage with which I damaged Dennis? Will you give us wisdom how to move forward and repair this thing? In Jesus' name, amen. Would that kind of prayer availeth much? You're darn right it will. I don't think this is about how to get your next physical ailment healed. If it is, it's very temporary. And the next one's coming. But there's lots of other kinds of healing we need. And folks, there are a lot of very sick relationships and people who are still sick because they refuse to relent, to confess, to repent, and let God do what God does. James ends by using the example of Elijah. Um, I'm not going to go too much into this, what I, Elijah prayed and, and why he prayed, because Elijah is going to be coming to a sermon series near you in two weeks. And we're going to talk about this prayer and the drought and, and, and all of that stuff starting two weeks from this morning. But James just says Elijah was, Elijah was a man, a human. He wasn't divine. And his prayers did incredible things because his prayers were in tune with the word of God. But I want to point one thing out to you before we close here. Uh, James writes that Elijah, this translation says, prayed earnestly right here in verse 17. Prayed fervently, your Bible might say. The Greek says he prayed in prayer. Greek uses redundancy, repetition for emphasis. But Warren Wearsby, the late Warren Wearsby in his commentary right here, he asks this question at this verse. He says, do you pray in your prayers? Like, are you praying in your prayers? Are you just checking the box, saying the words? Don't take anything I've said this morning as an indication that I don't believe this right here. Prayer changes things. Now, the first thing it can change is the person praying. If I am God-focused and I am praying in my prayers and I'm seeking what he thinks about my heart, I will change first and foremost. Are you praying in your prayers? Are you looking for how God might ask you to relent, to repent, to put your weapons down, to confess to that person you wronged? 
Which do we do more of? Contend for our innocence or confess our wrongs? We've gone through this whole book of James almost. And it is so hard because it shows us how much, how, how much work we have left to do and we're struck week after week after week by our own shortcomings. So when's the last time when you were reminded of one of those things that you went to someone that you actually hurt or offended and said, I was wrong. Can you forgive me? Can I pray with you about that? Are you sick? Are you tired? Are you sick and tired? Maybe it's time to put into place what James said will make you better. Surround yourself with spiritually mature people and listen to what they would say. And go confess your sins one to another. Understanding, putting into practice how you got the righteousness you have and let that bleed into your other relationships. We will be healthier for it. Let's pray. Our Father, we are so grateful for this reality. You are either going to make us better or you're going to make us better. You're either going to raise us up or you're going to raise us up. Because you have dealt with our sin. When we brought it to you and confessed we are sinners, you healed us. And we are just waiting for things to be better than we even have the capacity to imagine. But you have challenged us in your word this morning to take that sort of relationship horizontally. To begin to do with others what we did with you, which is confess our sins, relent, fall down before the one we have offended and ask for forgiveness. God, you told us that would make us healthier. And we believe you for our healing. In Christ's name, amen. Would you stand up and we'll finish our time this morning.